Well, good morning, everybody. After that little uh, video sermon, I guess we can just close in prayer. That was pretty good, right? (laughs) No, uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. My name is Cole. I'm on staff here at the church. If this is your first time with us, I would love to meet you and get to say hi. I'll be in the lobby after the service if you'll make your way to me there. I would love to uh, learn a little bit about you and share a little bit about myself as well. But happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, Pastor Ricky said I could tack on to his sermon series he just finished, or I could do a Father's Day themed one, and I said, well, what do I need to do for yours? He said, pick your favorite household chore and do a sermon on that. I said, what's that, a favorite household chore? I don't have that. So we are talking about fathers today. (laughs) We are definitely talking about fathers. Um, And here's the title of my sermon. I think it's, I I was going to phrase it as a question, but I think it's important that it's a statement. Uh, And it's this, that you need to know your father's voice. You need to know your father's voice. And I don't mean our earthly fathers. For some of us, that's a positive experience. For some of us, that brings a lot of anxiety or worry about that kind of conversation. But I do mean our heavenly father's voice, that it's important that we know God's voice in our life. I had the privilege of having a really, having a really good dad. Uh, He's been a blessing in my life, and uh, I was pretty athletic growing up, and when you're playing sports, you find yourself in high-pressure situations sometimes, and the coaches are yelling out orders, the fans are going crazy, your teammates aren't quite sure what's going on. Sometimes it can feel like chaos, and what I found during my time playing sports is that when I could pick out my dad's voice, out of all of those other voices, I could actually catch some coaching tips. He was never like, you stink, (laughs) right? He was always saying like, hey, they're leaving the lane open, go that way, or some other coaching tips. And so it's just as important that we know our Heavenly Father's voice for those same reasons, because whether it's our day-to-day life or navigating big life change, or perhaps uh, bringing some order to the chaos that we might be feeling, or navigating some sort of sin pattern that we have in our life, knowing our Father's voice is going to be imperative as we navigate our Christian walk. And the Bible has this down pat. They are so good, the writers who put these things in there, are so good at highlighting the stories about where people got this right all throughout Scripture. This is where God's leading. This is where we're going. Look at how it works out so well. The Bible holds, though, in tension all of the times where the people get it wrong as well. Like we have Adam and Eve who walk with God in the cool of the day, each and every day, and then they're deceived by a serpent, and all of a sudden the voice of God becomes a negative thing in their life. They start to feel shame. They start to hide from it. And God goes, what are you doing? Oh, Did you eat of the tree you weren't supposed to? King David, the greatest king in in, uh, Israel, man after God's own heart, Scripture says, the very person who's so tuned into God's voice is also the same person who loses it and has a love affair with somebody, covers up or murders her husband, covers it up, and moves on as if nothing ever happened. Where's God's voice in any of that? God's voice is not there. And one of my favorite stories is after the death, crucifixion, death, resurrection of Jesus, two of his disciples are walking between two towns. And uh, 
I don't know if they're just looking at their shoes or if they're so caught up in their own pain of losing uh, the Messiah or they're so caught up in their own shame of having given their life to him and now he's been uh, killed. It's over, right? But they start walking between these towns and Jesus in his resurrected body starts walking with them and starts holding a conversation with them. He's asking him questions like, oh yeah, who was that guy you were following? Like, is it me? Right? I heard that Messiah was really handsome, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> we have all of these, this, this dialogue that's going on, and it gets to the point where they get to the place where they're staying, and Jesus is like, I'm going to keep going, and they're like, no, there's something about you. Please stay and just have a meal with us, and they break bread with Jesus, and they're reminded of the Last Supper, and it says their eyes were opened, and they realized that Jesus was with them, and just like that, Jesus vanishes from their sight. And I, I want to look at that and say that's not true of my life, but there are so many times where Jesus has been walking with me all along the way, and I've failed to, miss, I've failed to see him until it was too late. And I mention all of these stories to say that hearing the Father's voice and following where God is leading, it's not easy. It wasn't easy in biblical times, and that's before cell phones, internet, social media, international communication systems, satellites, the ability to travel the globe. Why on earth would we think now, here, 21st century America, why on earth would we think that more noise, more inputs, and more voices would make this process any easier? We not only have the same capability to miss God's voice, ignore it, or be oblivious to it like those disciples, but I think at a baseline level, not only out there, but also in our churches, we've almost drowned out the need for God's voice in our life. And so not only is it easy to just ignore it, but we can also substitute God's voice really, really easily if we're not careful. And uh, you can replace God's voice with any number of voices in media or culture because they're so widespread. You can numb the need for God's voice through the abuse of alcohol, drugs, or unhealthy sexual choices. You can run from God's voice by spending too much money or going on vacations that help with the temporary escape from the the hole that's in your heart, but you get back and not only still have that same longing, but now your finances are stressed even more. Our culture, not only out there, but also in here, is one that also we have this feeling that we can know exactly the direction we're supposed to go without seeking God's will. It's very individualistic, that we can make it all about us and have no need to have God's voice. But we can do all of those things, or a mixture of them, or other things, and what, it ends up, what we end up finding out is that it usually leaves us longing for deeper meaning, feeling like things don't add up, and wishing or hoping that there's something or someone more out there who is truly leading us. And that's why as people of faith, it's so important that we don't lose sight of the fact that we need to know our Father's voice because He fills that void that we're missing. And so, if you have your Bibles today, we are going to be in the book of John, chapter 10. We're going to jump around a little bit, but uh, we're going to see just how imperative it is that we know our Father's voice. 
The book of John details seven I am statements that Jesus makes, and we're going to read one of them today. Uh, And here's the theological principle we have to keep in mind as we read this, is that if we believe in one God, which we do, we believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all one, the triune God, then that means that what Jesus says is true about himself is also true of God. If Jesus is God, then God is like Jesus. And so as we read this, not only is Jesus sharing about himself, but he's also sharing about the heart of the Father. And so let's see what's true about God. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 10, verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus lays out just how important this relationship is between the shepherd and the sheep, God's people and their relation to God, that it's so important to know these things. And just like most of the times Jesus speaks, there's somebody in the crowd who pushes back on what he says. And so Jesus later in verses 25 through 27 goes a little bit further and says, Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Jesus makes it clear that to know the shepherd's voice is the main command of the sheep. To long to hear the voice of the Father is our highest priority. And that in a world where there's so many different ways that we are being steered by different voices, the voice of the shepherd is supposed to be the thing that we long for above all else. And because it's only when you learn to hear the shepherd's voice that then we can actually learn to follow where he leads. And so I don't want to belabor this point, but in our culture, in our world, that isn't easy work. It's not easy to follow Jesus well in the place that we inhabit. It is tough. But tough as it is, it is Jesus' command to us. And so it needs to be our highest priority. It's the call that's placed on our life. Not easy, but necessary. And just a few months ago, my wife and I found ourselves in the place where we needed to do this work ourselves. We weren't sure where God was leading, what God was calling us to, where his voice was. God, where are you in any of this? We had just received some devastating news. We also, at the same time, were feeling God calling us in a direction we've never felt called to before. And so couple that with all of the things that go on in your everyday life, the stressors, the work, the the schedules, all those things, we just went, stop. Like, we got to figure this out, right? And so we grabbed a napkin, and on the back of the napkin, we wrote down our five-year plan, and then we sipped a little bit of coffee and put that on the fridge, and, and then we were all good. No, that's not how this works, right? It's not easy work. It looked like completely disconnecting from this place, going away for a week from our home. I spent the mornings of those weeks in intense, focused conversations with the spiritual director. And then after that, Gina and I sat together and we're talking about how this all plays into our own life. And only after that easy, no problem process, right? Only after that did we feel a sense of peace about where God was in our story at the time. 
And I don't say that because uh, you guys have to follow the same model. I don't say that because it's the way that it all works. I just say that because, like many people in a church staff, I'm in this every single day, and look how difficult it is for me to discern God's voice at times. I'm just as distracted. I'm just as overbooked. I'm just, I have just as many voices in my head. And so we got to stop thinking that we can just go about our typical day, our typical routine, make no changes in our life, and that God's voice is going to pop into our story. The path's going to illuminate like a good episode of Dora the Explorer. And as long as you can say map, when she says to say map, then God's in there and you got it all figured out, right? It's not easy. It doesn't go that way. We have to stop kidding ourselves. If we're going to take this seriously, if following the shepherd's voice is actually going to be what we, lean, we look towards, then we have to have habits that help us to cultivate that as our highest priority. And so what does that look like? Well, I have about four different habits or mindset shifts I think we need to make as we uh, have this conversation. Think they'll be helpful. And the first one is groundbreaking. You can write this one down because no one's ever said it before, but I think we actually just need to want to seek God's voice. <laughs> like, I have no doubt in my mind that everybody in this room wants to live a good life before Christ, myself included. But if we never pray, if we never open this book and search to see how God led his people in the past and how God might be leading us in the future, if we never seek the wise counsel of pastors or of study groups, then it's all just lip service. It's not doing anything. We're not making any changes in our life, and we're not actually seeking God. You have to want to do it. I can't do it for you. The church can't do it for you. Showing up for an hour on a Sunday morning is a good start, but that is not actually seeking God's voice with your whole life. So you have to want to do it. And the second is that with all the noise, God tells us very clearly how we can know that he is God in his word. He says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. So with all the noise that's going on around us, be still. We have to be still. Uh, famous philosopher Blaise Pascal famously said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. How can you hear God's voice with all the noise? Do you actually have the ability to sit quietly with your thoughts? Do you have time? Do you make time for prayer, regular prayer, but also listening prayer for what God might be doing in your life? Do you intentionally set those things aside, or do you book your life so solid that you don't even have time to rest, let alone be intentionally, intentional about listening to where God is leading you? If you can't sit quietly in a room without the TV on or your phone or social media or some sort of music, which is my problem, then I, in those moments, it's, it's clear that we've lost the ability to be still. And so being comfortable with stillness is necessary. John of the Cross, one of the early church fathers, wrote that God's first language is silence. And that doesn't mean that God is silent. It just means that we meet God in silence, and it's there where he can speak to us. And much like our students in Colombia are learning, if you don't know the language, you miss out on half of the, <laughs> all that everything is going on, right? 
And so it's imperative that we learn the language of being silent and being still. We also have to cultivate humility because we can make it an intention in our life and we can make sure that we're cultivating the ability to be silent and still. And uh, if we're not humble enough to go where God leads us, then it doesn't matter. Where God leads, we must go. It's not a debate for who's the shepherd and who's the sheep. We have to be willing to surrender control, change our mind, and learn so that we, our life can align with God's will, not so that God's will can align with our life. And once you know the truth, Scripture says, the truth will set you free. But getting there is a very difficult process. It takes time. It's not easy. Lastly, I think we need to cultivate patience. God doesn't move at our world's pace. God is more like dial-up than high-speed internet, and that's slow. <laughs> God's will is revealed through slow, steady shaping and molding in our lives, and I'm thankful for that because I know if I woke up tomorrow and God had moved and shifted my whole life and realigned it to his plan overnight, I think I would be in some pretty severe pain. You have to trust and be patient with the slow work that God is doing in our lives and in our world. Because what we're really talking about here is this old, dusty Christian word that you can take off the bookshelf and probably scrape a lot of layers of dust off. We've been using it for a while. It's this word called discernment. Discernment. How can we set up habits that support us discerning God's will for our life? It's, it's really countercultural at this moment in our, in our uh, story. Being intentionally still, uh, intentionally seeking God, intentionally seeking God in a culture that's almost pushed him out of the story. Being intentionally still in a world where you wake up already feeling behind. Cultivating humility in America where you don't tell me what to do, I'm not changing my mind. Cultivating patience when I can open my phone and most of the things on Amazon will be here tomorrow at the latest, as long as I order it in the next 12 hours and 36 minutes, right? <laughs> when we're able to cultivate these habits, though, when we're able to cultivate these habits, we can actually engage in really good discernment of the Father's voice. It's not a switch we can just flip overnight. It's not, uh, it doesn't come naturally, but when we're intentional about it, we can find where God's voice is in our life. And we can also ask really, really good questions like, am I just trying to be right or am I trying to follow where God is leading? Am I just attaching where I think God is leading to what I already want to be true or am I open to the way God might be stretching me to, to think about things in a new way? Am I running from God's path and just coping with a bunch of different uh, unhealthy choices? Am I feeling inner peace about the direction that God is leading? Because God is a God of peace, and so though it might be difficult, you will feel peace about the directions that God is taking you. Am I reacting out of fear? Am I just reacting to fear with fear in response to fear? Because every time a heavenly being shows up in this book, the first words out of their mouth is, do not fear. And so God's not going to perpetuate the fear in our life. But we gotta ask these tough 
questions. Good, healthy discernment of God's voice means that we need to constantly be asking these am I questions. Am I getting in God's way? Am I following where he's leading? And friends, if we'll do this good, hard work of asking these tough questions after we cultivate some of these habits, Scripture's pretty clear that God is going to show up. In the early pages of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, Moses is standing in front of a bush that is on fire but not being consumed by it, and there is a voice speaking directly to him about the people of Israel, and and that voice says, Moses, I want you to go free my people and take them to the promised land. And Moses has the audacity to say, yeah, when I get there, who am I supposed to say sent me? Are you joking, Moses? This is God. But you've lost your father's voice. God doesn't beat him up about it. He just says, tell him I am sent you. And so if we cultivate the habits, if we ask the tough am I questions, scripture is clear that God will answer. I am will answer. Jesus shows up on the scene and John says, make sure you record the seven different times that he says, I am. And he's do, he did it then and he's going to do it now in your story too. I am leading you in this direction. I am with you in your pain. I am here to walk with you through this life change that you never thought was gonna happen. And so the, really the big question of discernment as we end this sermon is, am I ready to follow where God leads? And only you can answer that question. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the ways in which you've walked with your people all throughout the pages of scripture. We give you thanks for the ways in which you walk with us now. Father, as we intentionally come before you and try to know your voice, As scripture says, do not hide your face from us, but reveal yourself to us in real ways. We love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Let me put this back here quick. We are going to close out with one final song, so would you stand up with me? And as you do so, as you go from this place, would you know that the God who holds the whole of creation in his hands, wants to know you, wants to speak with you, and wants you to pursue him. And as you do and you go from this place, would you know that God's grace and God's peace go with you now and always until we see each other again.